Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Back when I was in high school, I had a buddy who played football with me. His name was Chet. And uh, Chet found out that I always served her. My, my mom, for as long as she could remember, is obsessed with Kawhi. Actually, lives out here in Hawaii, and they got the mess. They were able to escape the tragedy in Maryland. But uh, because she loved Hawaii, she desperately wanted to make me a surfer. And so she went out and she bought the, the coolest surfboard she could find. It matter if it was the right size or the right time or, or even worked for the ladies that we had. She just thought it looked cool. So she got a surfboard. I had I never tried surfing before. I didn't boogie board and stuff like that. I had never tried surfing. My check, he finds out that I have a surfboard. He said, hey, I just got my hands on myself. Do you want to go try surfing? Well, I'll try it. I'll go. So we could try this. He came over, spent the night at my house. We watched the surfing movies to try and get a feel for things. You know, like, okay. Looks like they can paddle in the waves. And then they kind of like pop up. Okay, that seems like it might be difficult. But okay, sure. And then it takes a lot of force strength to kind of got balance. But by and just looks like something that with practice, you can do, right? So the next morning, my, my mom goes up the board and she takes us over to Cocoa Beach, Florida, because we were living in Orlando at the time, home of Kelly Slater, multiple time world champion, world famous surfer, right? So we go to Cocoa Beach and, um, and we start to give it a go. Now there's something that they never really show in surf movies, and that is getting out to the part where the waves break. They don't really show that part because it's kind of boring and it's awful. Has anybody here ever tried surfing? Any, any surf? Yeah. The part of like getting out to where the waves break is a nightmare. And we're out and we're just floundering and, and paddling as hard. At one point we were swimming and trying to drag the boards behind us, just getting wave after wave in our face. It was windy. There was water in my nose and my ears and my mouth. It was just, it was awful. Right? And we're exhausted. It felt like we did this all day long, just trying to get out there to even try and catch a wave. And of course, we come back to the, the shore. My mom's been watching, and she has the audacity to say, well, you weren't far enough out. You, got, you guys got to go a little further. We're like, well, no, we have to go further. We can't get there. It's easy for you standing on the shore to say that. You try going out there. I think I ate a bunch of seaweed. I only tell you that story because I relate to old Peter here. In our gospel reading, old Petey, who jumps off the side of the boat in the midst of a storm and all of a sudden is going, oh, this is a lot worse than I thought it was going to be. That feeling of, I'm going to go. This is it. This is the end of me. Lord, help me. I can relate to that. So today we're going to be looking at that gospel reading, looking at that story of Jesus and, yes, Peter, albeit briefly, walking on water. But before we look at that, let's go to our God in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today, for this chance for us all to, to come here and worship you. Lord, I thank you for the chance to share your message. And Lord, of course, let it be your message as I pray every week. Move me out of the way. This isn't about me. This isn't, shouldn't even be from me. This is a chance for the Holy Spirit to speak. I submit myself to you and I pray that all who hear this would be willing to do the same. I pray all these things through your Son, Jesus, in his name. Amen. Special welcome to those of you watching online. It is great to have you with us today. So our gospel reading is our main text. It's Matthew chapter 14, 22 
through 33. For those of you who are watching it separately, uh, that is the, the section that we're going through. I have to tell you, being a pastor is a really weird job in this day and age. Because I think back to the clergy of days gone by, right, where there was like the parish church, and you were just kind of the, the clergyman in the neighborhood. Maybe there were one or two churches, but by and large, the job in the olden days of a pastor, a priest, was to just kind of be around, right? To be available to people in town, to maybe offer a sage bit of wisdom every now and then. Their focus was, you know, people would come together for a worship service, and they would deliver a little message, and, and that was that. But in this modern day and age, where we have competition and marketing, where we have social media and, and websites and online giving and, and staff and human resources and 501c3 status and budgets and all of those things, the role of a pastor has become quite different. And on top of all that, I still have to deliver like a 25-minute speech every week. And that speech has to be like, didactic and teaching it has to be this this inspirational and motivational ted talk and it has to be theologically academically accurate and inspiring every week i have to do this and sometimes i look at the assigned readings and i'm like boy i don't god i hope that you're talking this week because i don't know what i'm going to say but luckily this is not one of those weeks this week I looked at that gospel reading and it was like, yes, because this is just an amazingly rich story, isn't it? It's downright cinematic. You can just picture it. You can picture the whole scene. There, there, there's, there's conflict and resolution. There's moments of tension. There, there's action. This is a movie. This is a story. Right? And it's allegorical. They're so easy to see, well, this represents that and all that. So there's a lot in today's message. So let's, let's get into it. For context, in terms of what's happening here in the, in the midst of the story, uh, of the narrative of Jesus in his ministry, if you remember back early in Matthew 14, uh, Herod had just had a feast where he murdered John the Baptist. And Jesus found out about that and was naturally distraught. This is his cousin. This is his partner in ministry. This is somebody that he was close to. And so it says that he tried to withdraw away from the crowds, but because he's Jesus, the crowds followed him. They found him. And rather than getting aggravated, he had compassion. And in his compassion, he continued to heal, continued to teach, continued to be there with and for those people. But, and this makes my little introvert heart sing, eventually he said, all right, guys, party's over. Everybody go home. I need to be by myself. Right? That's what we see in our gospel reading today. He says, disciples, I don't care where you go, just get out of here. It's time for me to spend some time by myself, recharge my batteries. He sends the crowds away, and it says he goes up to a mountain to pray. And whenever Jesus goes up to a mountain to pray, that's significant, right? That doesn't happen all that often. And so this is a moment where he is really recharging and connecting with his heavenly Father. Well, in the meantime, the disciples, he, he sends them off in this boat, and off they go, and they find themselves, it says a good ways away from shore. Other, other narratives that say that it could be as far as three miles. Uh, the width of this sea is, is about eight miles, so they're about halfway across the sea, give or take. And it says a storm comes up. Now, in this 
telling of it. We don't see explicitly stated that they were afraid. You know, these are skilled fishermen. They spent a lot of time, at least some of them are, a lot of time on the water. So they probably knew what to do. But we know from other instances where they were out in the sea when the storm blew up that there is a sense of fear and tension, right? But I don't want to skip over something. Why were they in the boat in the first place? Because Jesus told them to. Right? Jesus sent them in that boat. He said, you guys, go across to the other side of the shore. I'll meet you there. See, sometimes in our lives, we encounter these storms, we encounter these moments of trials, we encounter these difficulties, and we think that God has abandoned us. We think that we have strayed away from what God had in store for us. But nobody ever said that following God would promise sunny days. In this world, there will be troubles, but take heart for he has overcome this world. I think back to Psalm 23, where where the shepherd is leading the sheep to the greener pastures, but along the way, where do they find themselves? In the valley of the shadow of death. So if you are in the midst of a storm in your life, a frustration, a difficult time, know that perhaps you are still following God's path. Right, because if you're in a storm on a boat in the water, the first thing you want to do when a storm comes up is check and make sure, are we still on the right heading? So take the time, if you're in that storm, to go to God, to seek out his word, to go to him in prayer and say, God, I just want to make sure I'm going through some stuff right now. There's a lot of chaos around me. Am I still on the path that you want me to be on? But trials, they help in some sense and that they tighten up our focus. Because we don't see the disciples arguing about who can row faster, right? We don't see James and John, sons of Zebedee, arguing and bickering about who gets the better seat in the boat. No, because they are focused on the storm at hand. They are focused on surviving. They are focused on getting through this moment of fear and trial. See, these trials in our life, they have a way of of tightening up our focus. You don't believe me? You ever been lost and you're driving? What's the first thing that you do? Turn down the radio, right? That's the first thing you go, hold on. Jimmy Buffett, you can wait because I've got to figure out where I am right now, right? Unfortunately for some of us, we are just driving along singing Margaritaville at the top of our voice, oblivious to what's around us, and God's going, hey, maybe, maybe focus up a little bit. Maybe take a look around you. Maybe take in your surroundings. Realize what's going on around you in life. Tighten up your focus. Sometimes trials can serve to do that. It's also worth noting, again, these disciples, they're only partway on their journey. So if you're going through a trial, if you encounter a storm and you have checked in and you make sure that you are following God's path, you've checked in and tightened up your focus, then just keep going. The green pastures are waiting. It's okay. So they're out there in this storm. They're trying to, you know, fight through stuff. It's the middle of the night and Jesus is done with his alone time and says, okay, I'm going to go meet them. (laughs) And I love this because he just walks to them. (laughs) He just takes a stroll across the sea. It's so nonchalant. I absolutely adore it because sometimes, you know, you picture Jesus walking on water and it's like this glassy sea and and he's kind of, you know, like a water bug on the surface, like using the surface tension, he's good to go. But this is in the midst of a storm. There is wind and waves. So he's like riding the waves like a half pipe, right? He's going along and they look out, the disciples do, and they go, 
it's a ghost, which I, I love that, that, that moment, right? That's the first, it's a phantom. Um, and Jesus says the same thing that angels say when they appear. Don't be afraid. And then he follows up, it's me, take heart, it is I. Don't be afraid. Now the power of this miracle is so unique because we believe that Jesus, fully God and fully man, fully both things. And this miracle so wonderfully shows that. Because he's walking on water. This is a divine thing. This is not something that humans can do, right? Trust me, I've tried. You can't, we can't walk on water. And so something divine is happening here. And yet at the same time, how does he get there? He walks. He's using his very human muscle. He's using his, his quads and his glutes and his core strength, Right? Really proud of myself for not going to the easy CrossFit joke right now, but I'm just going to skip over that. Um, he's using his very human muscles. He's walking. This is fully God and fully man, because he's God. He could just be like, hey, God, teleport me to the other side of the sea. Hey, God, just make me pop up in the boat, right? Instead, he takes his legs, his very fully human body, and is just taking a stroll across this eight-mile-wide See, and he walks to them in the boat where they're afraid, where they're dealing with a crisis because he's Emmanuel, because he is God with us, because in the midst of their trial, he is there. He is present. He is ready to offer them peace. Be not afraid. In your life, you're going to be going through some storms at some point. Again, maybe it's happening right now. And you're going to say, God, why have you abandoned me? God, why aren't you speaking to me? God, where, where is your voice in all this? Send me a sign. Send me, change the letters on a road. Whatever it is, do something so that I know you are here. But remember, when God approaches the disciples, he walks. So sometimes God puts people in your life to come up to you, to walk up to you and say what they need to say. God speaks through people, family members, friends, co-workers, whatever. Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to listen to that very human, very mundane vessel that God is using? Far too often we are so consumed, we're like, no, 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 not, not right now. Now's not the time. Don't you see I have a crisis here? Sometimes when God speaks to us, he just walks up as a human. Okay, now we get into uh, what I think is just, it's the most dramatic part where you have Peter. Oh, Peter. Uh, Jesus' favorite pupil, right? This is, well, maybe not favorite. He certainly wasn't a straight A pupil, let's be honest. Um, Peter was like, like when you're a teacher and you ask a question, the same kid's always raising their hand, and you're like, okay, anybody, anybody else? Anybody besides Peter? Peter, right? Do you guys remember the show Welcome Back, Cotter? Some of the older folks in here may. I remember because of the Nick and Knight, right? And, and Horseshack. Oh, Mr. Cotter, Mr. Cotter, pick me. Like, that's Peter. Like, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, pick me, Jesus, right? And so, <laughs> ever Peter, he says, Jesus, if it's you, I see you walking on water. Call me out there. I'm going to walk to you. And it doesn't say that Jesus rolled his eyes, but maybe he did. I don't know. And he says, oh, okay, Peter. Come on, come on, Peter, come on out. And the craziest thing happens. Peter takes that step 
over that. But what are the other disciples thinking at this point? They're like, finally. <laughs> Good luck, Peter. Have fun. He takes the step over the boat, and it works. We don't know how long he walked on water. We don't know if it was just for a second, a couple steps. We don't know if he went a 100 yards to meet Jesus where he was. But for whatever reason, for a moment at least, it worked. And let me remind you, as I said earlier, humans don't walk on water. And what happens? Why does Jesus suddenly, when he starts to sink, what does Jesus say to him? Oh, you of little what? Faith. To me, this is such a profound statement that our faith that we have is the Holy Spirit at work within us. Because Peter can't walk on water on his own. He's human. He's very much human. But if he has the Holy Spirit dwelling within him, if that faith from the Holy Spirit is inspiring him and giving him the strength and the power to essentially perform a miracle in this moment, it's when he lets go of that faith. It's when he starts to waver on it. It's when that doubt starts to creep in and he loses that connection to the Holy Spirit that he begins to sink into those waters and cry out, God, save me. May we have that same connection to the Holy Spirit. May we have the faith to take the step over the side of the boat. Now, it's not lost on me that today's assigned readings, that the, the Romans reading is the one that's assigned with this, because we see in Romans, it talks about how beautiful the feet of the ones who carry the gospel. And the fact that the one who takes this step over the side of the boat is Peter. The one that Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build the church. Peter, who the Catholic Church believes that is where the popes are descended from. Peter, who represents clergy and called people in so many ways. The ones who bring the gospel. It's not lost on me that the, the beautiful feet are the ones that go over the edge of the boat that walk on water, that step out in faith. The question that I have to you is, are you called to take that step? Are you called to take the step over the side of the boat? Some step of faith. Yes, there is clergy. There are pastors who have an actual calling. You've heard my story. I didn't want to be a pastor. That was never my goal. But God spoke through people to come to me time and time again and say, this is what I want you to do, and I'm not going to argue with God. So there is an actual divine calling, but God also has taught us about the priesthood of all believers, that each of us have the capacity to share the gospel. And maybe it's not that you're called to preach. Maybe you are. Maybe you are. Maybe it's, it's time you look into something like that. But you are called to live out grace. You are called to share the good news of Jesus Christ. You are called for your life to be a testament to the faith that is within you. Are you called to take that step of talking to your neighbor, of talking to your sibling, of having a tough conversation with your kids? Are you called to step out of the boat? Now, don't lose sight of the fact Eleven disciples stayed seated, right? Eleven disciples stayed in the boat, and it doesn't say anything that, that they were wrong. So maybe you're not called into that step, but you know what you should do? Support the one who takes the step. Support the one who is sharing the gospel. 
Because you don't see them like grabbing his cloak and pulling him back. You don't see them heckling him like, hey, Peter, you sunk down. What a fool. You don't see that. I would hope that they're cheering him on. If you're called to be in the boat, that's okay. Just be supportive because people need to hear the good news. People need the feet to carry it out into the world. But challenge yourself. Am I telling myself that I'm called to be in the boat because I'm scared or because I'm actually called to do that? If God is calling you to take this step, be bold enough to trust. Let the Holy Spirit inspire faith. Be not afraid. But no matter what, as you go through the storms of this life, as you feel the boat shaking underneath you, as you see things happening time and time again, and you're laying awake at night and you're saying, God, where are you? Listen for the gentle whisper. Listen for the people that God sends to walk up to you and give you a word. Know that God is with you. He is Emmanuel. He walks across that sea. He will pass over waters to get to you. He walked across the water and then walked up a hill called Golgotha. He walked up to a cross carrying his own method of execution so that we can be set free, so that we can know that the storms that we are going through are temporary because we have been given entrance into heaven by the price that Jesus paid by the debt that he fulfilled that we racked up. That is the gospel of our Lord. He knows you. He knows what you're going through. He knows where you are in the sea. He knows the storms that you've already survived. And be proud of that. And he knows the storms that are yet to come. And he loves you. Oh, he loves you so much. It's my prayer that you would be courageous enough and have enough faith to take this step. But no matter what, know that God is with you. He's walking up to you because he loves you. Let's share that love with everything we have. Amen? Amen.